Welcome to the Digital Dark Age. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, healthy, alive, doing well. You know, life continues as normal. Even though we have the crazy nonsense going on, life, life on a local level is normal. Life continues as normal in Oklahoma. I got people from other parts of the country over there that are telling me that they're locking back down. I'm getting pictures from uh, people that I know out in Seattle that are sending me pictures of the store shelves and they're bare. By the time they got there this morning at 10 a.m., the line was stretched around the building. I should say my my world is fairly normal, you know, my circle, because uh, some of the... Um uh, businesses around here do require employees to continue wearing masks and, you know, those kind of things. So even under um, great physical stress, they're still required to wear masks, which, by the way, that was not recommended by the CDC for physical activity. But nonetheless, it's fairly normal around here other than the masks. I guess that's to say it's not normal. It's it's not normal. But well, let's let's be real. It's the new normal, isn't it? It's the new yeah. normal. Well, we won't reach new normal until we have a vaccine for a year and a half. So, well, you know. now I got some good news for you on that front. Moderna, which is, I mean, that's a Bill Gates company. I just throw that out there. They've developed one that's even better than Pfizer. They've developed one, I believe I saw today, it was a 94.8% uh, success rate. As opposed to as opposed to the the measly ninety percent that uh, that Pfizer developed. As as the average person, why am I supposed to believe that? Well, because Bill Gates says it, so you're supposed to believe it. Yeah, because uh, they've never lied to us before, right? No, no. It's it, he's he's a medical doctor. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, and and you should just you should just take it because he wears a pink sweater and he's non threatening. Look, didn't we didn't we talk about this yesterday? That uh, about vaccines, how. Um you know, the, the previous vaccines that were legitimately worked, they didn't make any money off of it, right? They gave it to the world to vaccinate their people. And in this scenario, why aren't we giving out the vaccine if it's such a deadly disease? Why are they making money off of this? Hmm. To uh, to not get too distracted, which maybe we'll get into some vaccine talk. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. But I know that there's more things coming in the uh, in the in the upcoming days. So I'm sure that there's plenty to talk about on that. But today, today, let's talk about some tech, because it's just, you know, we, we've kind of ignored uh, the tech in the last few days. And look, they're going to bring this in with the phones. That's how it's going to be until they can figure out a way to get you to take just a convenient chip or something. Their ultimate dream here is to create health passports. That's what they want people to do. They want you on a health passport. They want you to. And that's that's how it's going to be. It's going to be. Well, if you don't get this vaccine, then you can't do X, Y or Z. You can't drive a car. You can't watch. They're going to remove that from you anyway. You can't drive a car. You can't work here. You can't uh, go to this facility. You can't go shop at this store. Th this kind of thing. This is why they want to vertically integrate everything with all of this. So we talked about the World Economic Forum yesterday. More specifically, we talked about their founder, Klaus Schwab, and or one of their lead guys uh, as, as of uh, right now, which he's made another statement in the last couple of days that I found out today, which is even more shocking than what we talked about last night. But we'll get to that in an, another time. But today, I want to talk about a few things as it relates to the World Economic Forum. Again, very popular group they are. You could almost call them visionaries of the future, couldn't you? By some of the things that they talk about. If you head on over to their website, this is not some, and I know what you're probably thinking. Oh, okay. Who's this crackpot guy talking about uh, all of this, uh, this control stuff, all this tyrannical stuff, this authoritarian stuff? Who is this? Okay. Go over to, and I'm going to give you the website, weforum.org. Again, that's weforum.org. Head on over there and you can verify everything that we talk about when we talk about the World Economic Forum. They're not hiding it. It's out there for everybody to see. They're proud of it, in fact. And while you're there, while you're there, if you think any of this is hyperbolic, while you're there, have a look at not only the individuals that are involved with this group, but I also want you to have a look at the corporations that are involved as well and look at just what these companies are wanting to do. It's going to be crucial for these companies to be on board with this going forward. So they have to have a consortium here. It can't just be a few rogue things. See, this is what the lockdowns are all about. It's to shut down everything that they can't compete with so they can buy everything up for pennies on the dollar, and then they can consolidate and vertically integrate the economy. And then you go under their rule. You go under their say. So they're able to then pick the winners and losers 
emphasis on the word losers. They're then able to pick this and then they feel like they can determine where the world's going to go. They want to control the fourth industrial revolution. They don't want to have the free market do it. This is why they're calling for an end to shareholder capitalism and they're calling for an introduction to stakeholder capitalism. That's all well and good if you want to live under, oh, I don't know, Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia or one of these uh, totalitarian nightmare systems, but not in a system that has created more wealth, more prosperity, lifted more people out of poverty than any other system that's ever been created by mankind. Excuse me, humankind. We're in the era, right? Got to check the boxes. So yeah, yeah. but that's what they want to do here. They want to integrate everything on their terms, on their terms, not on yours, not on mine, not on the markets, their terms. Well, I don't like their terms. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't like their terms. You can go over and you can check out what they're all about. Again, that's weforum.org. And you can tell us in feedback, if you like, whether or not you like their terms, because I certainly don't. And again, Side note. Going, yeah, go ahead. Side note on uh, uh, Schwab. Uh, we hadn't really talked about this one. He also headed up the foundation called um, the Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship. Oh, interesting. Was that a charity? It's a it's a it's a charity nonprofit. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. Uh, guess who the co-founder is? Both the two co-founders. Take a wild guess. Uh, let me see. Uh, Bill Gates. Uh, no, this one is actually more akin to money laundering. Uh, it is Klaus Schwab. George Soros. And Hilda Schwab, his wife. Hilda Schwab, his wife. Yeah, his wife. Now, his so, wife, as far as I understand, she is involved in the World Economic Forum, and she does a lot of work for them. And she uh, she does some kind of administrative work. I don't know exactly what that is. They were never clear on yeah. that. Uh, and yeah, I don't it, I don't know what she does, so, but I know that she's So involved. the two foundations work together in tandem. But this one is has a very short list of board members. Uh, there's the Schwabs, Rick Arbery. Um, there's uh, Paulo Kaleo, something like that. David Gergen, uh, Princess, uh, Matilda of Belgium, uh, and then someone from South Africa. I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. And then another one from uh, Bangladesh Grameen Bank, Mohammed Yunus. That's the list. Kind of sc- sounds a little sketch, you know. So just a little bit reset again. It probably did. Damn windows. Anyway, it's you know what? If if we weren't constantly tweaking and messing around with audio stuff around here, honestly, we'd be kind of bored, I think. But anyway, we're going to talk. uh, We're sitting down with Marty on what was it? Wednesday? Wednesday, I think we're going to sit down with him and we're going to talk World Economic Forum stuff specifically. And they have a vision for the upcoming agenda. Um, How did he put it? Uh, after COVID. So uh, Schwab, he put it after COVID. Yeah, AC, of course, you know, BC is his time. So or before his time. So he has to create create an era after you see the godlike what complex is, of these people. What does he ex- they expect to do? He's like 80 something. What, what, what does he think he's going to get done? Well, since we're talking digital dark age, since we're talk, talking tech, which we're going to talk about the top 10 emerging technologies of 2020 here in just a second. But since we're talking about this, you ask, well, what's he going to do? What does he expect to do? Well, what do they all expect to do? What do all egotistical maniac elites want to do? They all want to become gods, don't they? That's what they have. They have this god complex. You notice how he's referring to himself now. And I don't know if it's just uh, the the times or or whatever, but you ask, okay, what are they going to do? Well, we've talked a lot about how implants are coming, brain chips are coming. Well, actually, brain chips are here. They're just in the process now of perfecting them. Elon Musk, I think, is one of the ones that they're taking uh, the forefront on that. And you ask, okay, well, what do they want to do? And I know this is going to sound absolutely insane. This is going to sound nuts. But if you look at the white papers, if you read what these people talk about to each other, to themselves, we've talked before about social credit, right? Social credit's coming. It's coming. Unless people stand up and stomp on it now, it's coming. So with that, yeah, it's coming. With that social credit system, the overarching structure of that, and Bruce, you and I have sat down, we've studied this in in detail. We've we've learned about the system. We know know the ins and outs of it. We know how it's going to be implemented. The overarching structure on that system, the social credit system is AI. It's artificial intelligence. And that particular structure will make the current systems that we know, democracies, constitutional governments, republics, elected forms of um, uh, elected forms of representative governments, gone, obsolete. 
they will be made obsolete, non-essential, I think is the popular term these days. You ask, okay, well, what's that got to do with some lunatic like Schwab or, or Gates or Soros or one of these guys? What's that got to do with them? Well, they seem to think that they are going to somehow upload their consciousness into a silicon-based life form, hence AI. The race for AI is on. They want to be able to control that system. They think they will gain immortality by doing this. This is, like I said, this sounds like crackpot nonsense crazy stuff. I, I understand. But go look it up. Go, go read what they say in their own writings. Look at the way the totalitarian movements operate. Look at the way the dictators operate. They all want to become immortal. It's some, it's some uh, disorder or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. But if you look back through history, they're all the same way. All the all the big ones, right? All the ones that have that have ever left their uh, their mark on the pages of history. And now these people want to do it in a sense where they don't actually perish. They want their way, their ideology, their systems to live on. And they believe that all carbon based life should cease to exist. Think about what I just said. All carbon-based life should cease to exist. That's how disgusting these people are. That's the level they're at. And that's what we're up against is that right there. Is that Which type of... I don't of, think it's possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. They're insane. They're insane. They're absolutely insane. They've lost their minds. They've gone, they've gone completely off the deep end. And if you follow the agenda up to this point, what was it before COVID? What was it before that? It's climate change, right? Of course, we're hearing climate change now, but they tried to get everybody on board with that. Carbon. Your carbon footprint. You were bad. Your actions, your, uh, your, your lifestyle, that's bad. Same thing with COVID. They've just flipped it around. They've just picked something else. They've used the same agenda, but they've just tailored it to a new audience now. So wear a mask. You're diseased. You're infecting other people. You're dirty. You're a mess. You're, you're a disgrace. We don't want you. That's what that's all about. So they've just flipped it onto something else. All this is tied to the same group of sycoph sycophantic individuals. So you ask, what does he hope to achieve? Well, I just explained it. These are the top 10 emerging. You got something you want to say on that before we get to the top 10? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just on the AI thing. Now, uh, we've already uh, we've already gone into the, the bit that I'm uh, religious and blah, blah, blah. Because of that, I, I believe that human beings have a spirit. That's the part you can't transition to a machine. Just just for the sake of the argument, let's assume that that is correct. And humans do have a spirit. Um, they're three part beings. You might be able to dump their memories and how the synapses are made up in their brain currently. So you'll be able to create a simile of the person, but it's not going to be the person. For example, if the process involves killing the person to trans, you know, if there's if life is lost from the person as it's being trans as they're being transferred to the the machine, that person ceases to exist. The machine's only going to be a a simulation of the person. It's not going to be the person. So as much as they want to make themselves live on forever, not possible. Sorry. It's not going to happen. That, that there's there's a part that's uh, not tangible, um, whatever you want to call it, um, ethereal, um, uh, whatever other words you want to come up with that technology can't interact with, that technology won't be able to um, control or, or house. So no. Not possible uh, from from a religious side of things. If you want to bar that and just go into the scientific side of things, we, we don't even know that. Let, let's say you create a brain that mimics the human brain. You're going to have to have a, a, a circuitry system that constantly... Uh, grows, changes, alters itself because the human brain, the synapses in your brain are constantly changing, growing, uh, creating new connections or, or removing connections. I mean, there's a constant change going on. Unless the circuit pattern can do that, you're not going to be able to mimic the human. You're not going to be, so you're, it's not possible. There's just so many hindrances. Now, can you make a, can you create cybernetics that provide uh, maybe an interface for a machine and possibly do something with genetics to end the ability to, well, basically there's believed to be a switch in our gen gene, uh, our genetic code that triggers aging. If we can shut that off and keep people from aging, theoretically, you'd shove them in a tube. Pituitary um, gland, I think, is what it yeah, is. There's, there's some, yeah, there's some, because like about 25 is where that gene's flips and the switch flips and like your your liver stops regenerating itself and some of the other organs stop if you can flip that switch back on and or or off whichever you know so you don't age you could shove them in a tube that provides plenty of food water 
um, oxygen and just have cybernetics hooked up to them to uh, allow them to connect to a machine and they could live on as a robot in the in the physical world. I mean, theoretically, you could do something like that. They but, have theorized that. It's yeah. called an Avatar B. You can actually look it up. Uh, it was something yeah. that was put forward by, I want to say that it was the, uh, it was a Russian summit and it was, uh, it was something that was based around as, as actually transitioning to robotics, flying cars and, uh, Silicon based life and, and things of that nature. You could actually upload your consciousness, which that's the big game here is, is that that's what they think that they're going to achieve. And they sell it to everybody that, oh, well, this is what we want for the era of what they call, and I'm I'm quoting here, neo-humanity, the era of neo-humanity. That's what they call it. That That's, hello, do, do you understand how insane this is? Do you understand how crazy this is? Now, if we develop as a species, if we develop and we get there on our own and we decide as a species that this is the way we want to go, so be it. But that's not happening. This question is not being asked. No one's being consulted. We're just being ordered. And it's being done by very insane, disturbed people. Now, I've, I've made the argument before about technology. I'm not a, a technophobe. I'm somebody that believes in this technology. This is good stuff. But it's in the hands of very dangerous people. That's the problem with it. That's the only issue that I have with it, is people like this that are up there making these statements and doing the things that they're doing with all of this technology. Now, if it's something that can be used as an engine for bettering humanity, which it can, then that's what we need to pursue. As in, if we can cure blindness, if we can cure neurological disorders, if we can cure people that are paraplegics, quadriplegics, those types of things, absolutely. Absolutely. If we can do that with with cybernetics and uh, cybernetic implants and things like that, absolutely. If we can do, if we can cure blindness with optical implants, absolutely. But not, not this uh, insane well, quite frankly, digital dark age, that they, no pun intended, that they want to take us to. But anyway, let's get over to the top 10 emerging technologies of 2020, shall we? Yeah, one more. <laughs> Again, sorry. AI. Uh -huh, one more thing uh -huh. on AI. That, that's something Hawking talked about, by the way, both AI and um, the singularity to where humans and machine merge. Uh, he basically said the human race will cease to exist. Yes, uh, I, I think that's what he was meaning is he was he was referencing the fact that eventually it's going to come to the point to where humans become synthetic. We, we merge with machine in some way and every human being will be merged with a machine at birth. And that's that's going to be the future. And humanity will cease to exist at that point as we know it. But anyway, let's get over to the top 10. Number one, micro needles for painless injections and tests. These tiny needles at no more than a depth of a sheet of paper and the width of a human hair could bring us pain-free injections and blood testing. That'd be good if they want to whack you up with a vaccine, right? Microneedles penetrate the skin without troubling underlying nerve endings and can be attached to syringes or patches or even mixed into creams. Oh, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? So you could get a vaccine without even knowing you're getting a vaccine when you just go buy some cream down at the store. They could allow blood tests to be done at home and sent to a lab or analyzed or to be analyzed on the spot. And because their use doesn't require expensive equipment or high levels of training, testing and treatment could be delivered in under, excuse me, could be delivered in underserved areas, making care more accessible. See, again, they always round it off with something that's convenient, right? So it's for your convenience. Think about how much easier this is going to make your life for these types of things. Again, good idea, good technology, but what are their intentions with it? Looking looking into that one real quick, uh, just skimming it, there's multiple types of microneedles they're talking about. And one of them is uh, a dissolving microneedle. So basically you would get the injection and the needle would stay there and it would dissolve, right? And as it dissolved, it would release the product into the into your system can't say that that i'm a fan can't no. say that I, I i like this idea number two sun-powered chemistry making many of the chemicals we rely on requires less fossil fuels all right well again you know i'm all for okay. getting away from petrochemicals all right fine but we sure. need a viable alternative in order to replace yeah. them. We need something as good or better, which we've got that, I think, in hydrogen. It's just they didn't have full control over where that market was going to go, so they stomped on it in a hurry. But now we're looking at helium-3, is that correct? For, for fusion, yeah. But yeah, for but the, the, the catch with the it's, it's catalysts and all that kind of stuff that 
uh, you can't really get from hydrogen, I don't think, for Mm -hmm. for well, hydrogen chemistry. Yeah, you notice the Europeans now are saying, oh, a transition towards a hydrogen future. Well, why couldn't you do that 20 years ago when those of us were screaming about it to have it done? Oh, because the free market would have gotten a hold of it. That's why. That's why. And (laughs) because the guy that had the, the guy that had the patent is dead now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But a new approach holds the promise of reducing the sector's emissions by using sunlight to convert waste carbon dioxide into useful chemicals. Recent developments in the sunlight-activated catalysts needed for this process are a step towards creating solar refineries to produce useful compounds from the waste gas. See, CO2 is a waste gas now. It's a waste gas. No, it's not something that it's not something that plants breathe or anything. You know, it's not it's it's not a exactly the point I was going to make is that's a dangerous game when plants need CO2. Uh huh. Now, see, see, they say that they say that this waste gas, right, this waste gas through useless solar farms, I might add waste gas could be turned into everything from medicines. Of course, they don't tell you which ones uh, and detergents to fertilizers and textiles. Okay, so I, I'm I'm not understanding what they're intending. Like, how are you? CO two is carbon and oxygen together. Yes. So if you break it off, it's just carbon and oxygen. So is that all you need? Is the carbon? In which case, if that's the case, then we could be using other things for catalysts and and medicines and all that kind of stuff. But uh huh. So I I don't understand how they're going to make. I haven't seen the science behind it. I haven't actually heard of a process like this before, but it's good to know we have overlords that figure all this stuff out for us. See, we're too dumb to know what was, what's going on here. So yeah, yeah, we, course, we, don't yes. the, the, we don't have the know-how. Number mm. three, virtual patients. Well, I think we're seeing the testing of that now, aren't we? With uh, tele, what is it, like telemedicine or whatever it is, the, uh, the virtual yeah, appointments tele- yeah, now, yeah. doctors, yeah, okay. If the goal of swapping humans for simulations to make clinical trials faster and safer sound simple, the science behind it is anything but, huh, data taken from high-res images of a human organ is fed into a complex mathematical model of the mechanisms that control the organ's function. So they're talking about 3D printing of organs then, I'm assuming. So I've heard theories on on 3D printing it and then testing the medications on the organ itself to Uh see what happens over time. Honestly, I'm not against that. You would get away from animal testing and those kind of things, which I'm, you know, I I would like to get away from that personally. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I'm not against that. uh, I would also like to get, I'd also like to get rid of human trials too, if that's entirely possible. Which, I mean, where do you draw the line? (laughs) What what, what if we get to the point that you can clone? Is that clone, does that clone have any rights? We can already clone. It's just that they've been doing that crap Uh, for years. Well, yeah, yeah. The, The problem with cloning is there's too many side effects like the the clone's lifespan is way too short, so there's a lot of uh, you would have to use CRISPR tech to fix the the de- defects that a clone would have. Basically, mm-hmm. it goes on here to say then the computer algorithms resolve the resulting equations and generate a virtual organ that behaves like the real thing. Such virtual organs or body systems could replace people in the initial assessments of drug and treatments, Maybe. making the process uh, quicker, mean, safer, and less expensive. Theoretically, I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like it. I mean, on paper, it sounds Bruce, like it could every, work. Everything out of the World Economic Forum sounds good. Uh, f- well, no, but it's fair. I, I, your it, sentiment. They you know. make it sound good. Let me put it that way. They make it sound good. I mean, if you look at all this stuff, I mean, that it's all about. Well, this is this is for your benefit. I mean, this is. Have you noticed that? Everything's for your benefit. It's they're they're going to do all this because they're so generous and they're going to make everybody's life easier. Yeah. So I mean, they're not wrong. I, I do want to see AI. I want to see AI involved in you know medical in the medical world, right? AI can find patterns that we can't. You know. So yeah, I'm for experimenting with these ideas, but uh, saying that we're going down those roads, uh, I don't know. We haven't proven that the the tech works. So let's prove that it works. That it's effective and then go from there. Number five. And I have to admit, just on the on the face of this one, I have to admit, this one sounds good. Digital medicine. Digital medicine won't replace doctors anytime soon, but apps that monitor conditions or administer therapies could enhance their care and support patients with limited access to health services. Many smartwatches can already detect if their wearer has an irregular heartbeat. And similar tools are being worked on that could help with breathing disorders, depressions, Alzheimer's, and more. 
Pills containing sensors are even being developed, which, I mean, they already have like those camera pills and stuff like that now where they can detect like digestive problems and, you know, problems in like intestinal tracts and things like that. Fantastic advance. These send data to apps to help detect things like body temperature, stomach bleeds and cancerous DNA. Sounds good. It sounds good. I mean, I understand there's a sinister side behind it. I know there is, but it sounds good. I don't like all this low jack stuff because everything's being tracked, traced, and controlled. They want access to absolutely everything. Explain to me why any of these people, other than your physician, your private physician, why do they need access to any of this? They don't need access to this. The days are coming. You know, do you remember we talked about smart toilets at one point in time? Do you remember that in the early days? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The days are coming. The days are coming when everything about you is going to be, um, shall we say, screened. And then how you take care of yourself, shall we say, is going to affect your score. That's believe it or not, that's actually going to go against your social score, too. So if you're not um, taking care of yourself and when this screening happens, then your score is going to drop and you're not going to be able to live a certain way. You're going to be restricted in that lifestyle. Initially, the scoring system we're talking about, I, I don't think the, the scoring system is going to be a like it's not going to be one centralized system. It's going to be a whole bunch of other systems. And over time, they're slowly going to integrate the two together. Uh, for example, uh, you'll have a social score for your medical history. You know, your insurance rate will go down because you take care of yourself and so on and so forth. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing with insurance, for example. I have that now. Um, yeah. Exactly. So that's what we're going to see. It's going to become more prevalent and eventually it'll become a single centralized system. So on the surface, this sounds great. This sounds good. If you don't know about social credit scoring, you might be on board with it even. Under certain scenarios, uh, I would be for this system. Like if there's some known uh, conditions that the person has, yeah, there, there are situations where they do need a LOJAX uh, attached to them. For example, um, uh, dementia patients, right? It would be good to be able to track them at all times and their health and whatnot, because sometimes they escape and they, you know, don't know where they are or, I mean, there, there's been, just, yeah, exactly. And they go off thinking, oh, I got to go to work or I got to go whatever. And they go out, trip, fall, break a hip or, or something happens, they get lost or mugged, what, what have you. I mean, it's, it's a terrible scenario. And honestly, hopefully we can avoid that altogether by figuring out what causes uh, dementia and being able to, to stop it, fix it, or, or I, I don't know, on the surface, I don't like the idea of something tracking me all the time. I, I just don't. Number six, electric aviation. I, I've always said, okay, fine. You want to replace uh, airline travel, which that's what they want to do. You want to replace that. Well, there's not quite a plane out there that can run off of uh, wind and solar just yet. At least if there is one, I don't think that I've seen one. Now, I have seen that, which we did, which we did talk about it. I believe it was on a morning show. I did see that they tested an electric aircraft, but it was a short flight. It was a small plane, and I don't think it even had any passengers, of course, other you know than the pilot and the co-pilot, and it couldn't actually make it that far. I don't exactly think that an Airbus A380 with a takeoff weight of 500 tons is going to run off of electric. I, I don't quite think that that's going to happen anytime soon. Electric oh, propulsion. Fusion. Yeah. We get oh, a fusion. fusion yeah, okay. All right. Can, all right. You know, yeah. yeah all right. You can all right. In that like case, that. yes. If you're looking at it in that sense, sure. Sure. Electric yeah. propulsion would allow air travel to cut out carbon emissions, slash fuel costs, and bring about big noise reductions. I don't really complain about air travel. Do you? Like a plane flies over. Well, you might, but for for good reason. But I, I, well, um, I actually enjoy it because we have a military base close, and they, the military aircraft. It's fun watching military aircraft fly over and hearing mm-hmm. them because there's a huge difference between military and civilian aircraft. You know, you hear a military jet flying over, you know instantly, hey, that's that's military. That's not civilian. <laughs> Mm-hmm, indeed. A host of organizations from Airbus, what did I say? Airbus to NASA are working on technology in this area. While long haul electric flights may still be some way off, as I said, and there are cost and regulatory hurdles, which I'm sure they'll cut all that out. There is a significant investment in the space. Hmm. There are about 170 electric plane projects in development, mainly for private, corporate, and commuter travel. But Airbus says it could have 100 passenger electric planes ready for takeoff in, guess what year? 
I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. 2030. 2030. There you go. How'd you guess? How'd you guess? So just real quick, there is one aircraft that managed to do a, I'm going to say it was like 24 hour flight. It could have been longer. It could have been like a month or something. I don't, I don't remember. It was, it was a very long time for an aircraft, um, but it was solely electric and it did a long flight. The catch is um, no passengers, autonomous, solar powered, and it flew very slow. The wingspan was essentially, it was just a flying wing is basically what it was. It was something like, uh, I'm wanting to say the wingspan was like 30 feet or 40 feet. Some, I mean, it was, it was big. It, it was really big. This was, this was years ago that they did this. So creating something large enough to be a passenger aircraft, electric, and house enough batteries, enough uh, ways to generate energy or what have you, uh, it's just, it's not feasible. It's, it's not going to happen. So I don't see that happening in the any time in the near future until we get the battery situation under control, uh, until we get batteries that are able to hold a much larger charge. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. Number seven, lower carbon cement. Today, four billion tons of cement, a key component of concrete, are produced every year in a process in a process that requires its burning, excuse me, in a, in a process that requires bur the burning of fossil fuels. This accounts for around 8% of global CO2 emissions. What about dying vegetation? They never mentioned that, do they? As urbanization increases over the next 30 years, how's it going to increase? People are leaving the cities. Huh. Well, because you have to make those... Uh, oh, know. they're going to be safe cities, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This figure is set to rise to 5 billion tons. Researchers, and st that's probably because they're going to rebuild the cities, but the corporations are going to own them because they're going to buy them up from the pennies on the dollar that they're saving from all the people leaving them now. Researchers and start... Zero asset, yeah. Researchers and startups are working on lower carbon approaches, including tweaking the balance of ingredients used in the process, employing carbon capture and storage technology to remove emissions, and taking cement out of concrete altogether. GP, I want to ask you this question. And the question is, is you had brought this up to me. They make in California, and I've not seen this, I've never driven on one, they make in California composite roads. Yeah. Is is this a, a component that could be used to repurpose and lower carbon emissions? What are the composite roads made of? I don't have an exact recipe on how these roads are made, but I'm sure we could look these up and uh, see what materials are being used. I know it's recycled products, and that's wonderful. But as far as um, use across the state, I'm not sure because of our, our, our temperature variances that we're having, especially with water, our Things that were problems that we're having with water, excuse me, from erosion. Well, to me, I mean, if you want to if, if you want to take cement out of things, OK, fine. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, I, I make the same argument as I made just a few minutes ago about fossil fuels. If you want to replace petrochemicals, fine. I, I'm all for it. Let's replace petrochemicals, but let's replace mm -hmm. them with something that's actually going to work. If this is a if this composite component, I mean, for roads, I'm speaking roads, obviously, and we're not mm -hmm. talking about structures here. But if you can repurpose something for the purpose of, in this case, making a road, then if they're talking about growing cities, growing this and growing that, okay, fine. If you want to take it out, well, then let's look at repurposing something such as these roads that you already have. And you say that they're good. They mm -hmm. last up. Uh, they high temperature. They, yeah. they they hold up just as well as um, as an asphalt road, correct? I mean, I would argue that laying an asphalt road, blacktop, that uses more carbon than anything else. The whole, hell, the whole damn thing's carbon. The only difficulty is is the repair factor. Uh, your standard asphalt road, quickly repaired in, in seconds. Literally, they just come out, dump some asphalt into a hole and, you know, run over it. Whereas these composite materials, it's a little bit more complicated. I kind of feel like 8%, we could focus on something else first, you know, go for a bigger pollutant, if you will, than cement. Just just my thought. There, there's other things out there that, that produces more pollution than baby steps. Cement. I'm 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 for being you know going that the, that direction, but do we have something that is capable of replacing that infrastructure effectively to be on par with or better? Um, that that's my only concern is I I don't want to I don't want to downgrade to make something more clean, if you will, right? Because the idea is you want to bring people up, right? You want to help elevate them financially and whatnot. Infrastructure helps with that. If we're downgrading, that hinders 
uh, people from being able to make a living, being able to bring themselves up. So wait, wait. on these roads, though, these some one of the composite roads uses an extraordinary amount of comp- of recycled materials, especially plastics. Mm-hmm. And that would be a good thing. That's that's killing several I, birds I'm, with one stone. I'm totally I, I, I get it. The thing is, is it would work in some areas. But how well does it hold up from uh, having cold temperatures to really hot temperatures? I mean, uh, how well I'm not sure that... on that specific variation, but they do have yeah. variable. They have variants on the composite materials that do do really well. It's like we have our desert ones, the mm-hmm. red roads, and yeah. those okay. handle very well. I mean, around here we have we have the issue of heavy trucks mm-hmm. uh, on roads, uh, the high temperature, low temperature ranges, the humidity level, that sort of thing. Uh, also, a lot of clay in the soil. Sometimes mm-hmm. that has an effect, um, but. All that to say, I'm for finding these solutions and going for it, but let's not downgrade, if you will, right? I, I don't want to see a hindrance for other people being able to bring themselves up, right? So that's my only concern is is, is people taking the hit there. Uh, I, I, I want a growth, not a falling back. There is no growth under this person. Under what? <laughs> Any of this. Uh, yeah. Number eight, quantum sensing. Imagine self-driving cars that can see around corners, which they can kind of already do that to an extent. You know, the, the sensors and everything on them, drive assists and all that stuff, kind of. Or portable radar, scanners. Radar. Yeah, yeah, radar, LIDAR stuff. Or portable scanners that can monitor a person's brain activity. Oh, that doesn't sound sinister or anything, does it? Quantum sensing could make these things and much more a reality. Quantum sensors operate with extreme levels of precision by exploiting the quantum nature of matter. For example, using the difference between electrons in a different energy states as a base unit. Most of these systems are complex and expensive, but smaller, more affordable examples are being developed that could open up new uses. Bruce, I think this one's your territory, isn't it? Yeah, so... This is, I could see some good uses for this kind of thing, but the idea that you could read someone's mind with this stuff or or be able to at least measure, well, each person is a little bit different, but more or less, you'd be able to read people's mind. We're, we're, I've seen experiments with technology to where basically you put on the device and to calibrate it, you think about certain things that are pre-programmed. Uh, the device basically learns your thought processes, uh, how how your brain functions more or less. And it is capable of, from there on, uh, interpreting your brain, your brain waves uh, to, to fairly accurately, right? Uh, so you could do like a mouse and keyboard, for example, for your PC, and it just be a headset you put on that that uh, measures your brain waves. And you could say the word in your mind and it would type it out. So these sensors, if you can make them sol- smaller and more uh, more efficient like that and more precise, you could have your su- uh, smartphone, for example. You could uh, you could think in your mind, I should call this person and just say, you know, think up calling the person. You have your neural link connect to your phone and you talk to the person through your mind, through your phone, through, I don't know. It, it sounds fun. It sounds interesting. But the, the negative connotations to this, the negative side of things, uh, let's just say, um, for example, let's say you're, you're a, a constitutionalist, right? And the new system is getting rid of the constitution. Well, let's just say the machine is capable of interpreting your thoughts. And this person's a constitutionalist. That that hampers their um, their social credit score. It's or fitting you use you that thought example. wrongly. It's really fitting you use that example, you know. Yeah. The difficulty I find is if is our behaviors. Just because we have a errant thought does not mean that goes into action. Right. You know, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I would really like a Big Mac. I don't eat Big Macs, by the way, but I'm just using this as an example. Just because I thought it doesn't mean I want to have it. Oh, it's one's right. being delivered to you right now, GP. Exactly. One would be delivered yeah. to me right now. It's like that's not what I wanted. You'd have you know how many times you'd have to hear this command? Would you like to order a McDonald's? Exactly. You know? uh, are Would you, you like to order is your this? Amazon? Is your Amazon device placing your order right now for you? Uh oh, you said the A word. <laughs> I said Amazon no, actually, device. I didn't say I, the name. I, I, well, no, that is actually one of the trigger words for one of my devices. You're kidding me. All right. Well, that's not my problem. I didn't. I didn't mean to do that. It's okay, but no, it's not in this room. Not in this location. It's in the uh, other section of the home. Well, it's in the bathroom where it wouldn't possibly listen to you. Yeah, it's in the bathroom where it wouldn't possibly listen to you. It won't matter in the future. You could just think it and it's already ordering for 
right. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Number Would nine. Would you like to order is, product? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Number nine. I'm glad you dropped in, GP, to add the humor in today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Number right, nine. Too serious? Well, we're supposed to be serious. Uh, number mm. nine. Green hydrogen. This is the one that I was talking about just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Green hydrogen. Now, if you noticed, the Europeans have said, oh, green hydrogen is coming. Green hydrogen, green hydrogen, green hydrogen. Well, why now? Why all of a sudden now? Why weren't you doing it 20 years ago? Again, when we were screaming, hey, why aren't you doing this? GM, why aren't you making these cars? Honda developed a single car. California, you guys had Governor Schwarzenegger at the time, had signed in the deal to put in, I think it was 120 hydrogen fuel stations across the state. And now... Uh, you're saying that they don't have any hydrogen in them, or if you can even find mm-hmm. one. But yeah, let me it's read. Very difficult. Let me read what they want to do with this. When hydrogen burns, and this is common sense, when hydrogen burns, the only byproduct is water. And when it's produced through electrolysis using renewable energy, it becomes quote green. Bruce, you look perplexed. The, yeah, when hydrogen burns, it produces water. The only byproduct is water, which was the process okay. in the hydrogen. I car. think no. What it, what is you're talking about going after over a fuel cell? So that's actually yes. an electrical. That's actually yes. Uh, that's what they're talking about. Here. Per se. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's what they're talking about here. Okay. So earlier this year, it was predicted that green hydrogen will become. You notice it's just green hydrogen now. It's not just hydrogen. It's green hydrogen. See, as you said, Bruce, the guy that had the patent on it died. So now they can run wild with it. But they needed to control it first, and they didn't have control of it. That's why they went the electric route, and they didn't go hydrogen 20 years ago. Green hydrogen will become a $12 trillion market by 2050. Why? Because of what I just said. Because it could have a key role in the energy transition by helping decarbonize sectors. Again, 20 years ago, we said that or we wouldn't be having this conversation. Like shipping and manufacturing that are harder to electrify because they require higher energy fuel. But as you were talking earlier, Bruce, hydrogen three or excuse me, hydrogen three, helium three in that process in the in the um, fusion reactors will almost make this seem obsolete, won't it? In a sense, baby steps. So going going hydrogen, which I didn't realize this, burning hydrogen does cause a reaction to produce water. Yes, I didn't know that. I never actually looked into that was one uh, of the what key burning features. hydrogen does. Yeah, that was one of the key well, features of the electric or the hydrogen car was right. But I thought that was through an electrolysis process. I didn't think oh, that no, was actually no. through uh, burning it. And uh, but no, actually burning it. So. Pretty clean. The problem is that produces nitric um, or, or nitrogen-based oxides if you don't have pure oxygen. And I'm, I'm going through the, the, the nitrogen oxides to see um, what the... What the um, Did you just say nitrous oxide? Love that stuff. It, 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 that's one of the possible oxides that would be created. Yeah. Um, but there's oxides that are created uh, if you don't have pure oxygen, if it's air if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, offhand, I don't know of any nit- uh, nitrogen oxides that are dangerous. So, I mean, offhand, I don't. But anyway, that's a byproduct if you don't have pure oxygen in the system. Otherwise, though, I, I think it's a good baby step going that direction. We can use fusion reactors now to generate the hydrogen that we need until we can get a fusion reactor going. And once you get fusion, you're not going to be mean, able to... You mean nuclear reactors. We can use nuclear reactors now until we, we get can a fusion, use fusion reactor. We can, we can use fission reactors now, fission. yeah, nuclear okay. reactors, and then go on to fusion once we figure out that process fully. The problem is, is I don't think you're going to be able to get a fusion reactor or fission reactor small enough to fit into a car, um, to, to power hey, a baby car. Steps. So, baby steps, Bruce, baby steps. Yeah, yeah. You, you might actually be able to get a fission reactor using thorium. That would be fairly safe. You wouldn't have to worry about a meltdown. You wouldn't have to worry about radiation and those sort of things. So maybe, but right now the size of it would be massive. It would be like a 18 wheeler. Uh, and, you know, the whole basically how it works now is we use steam to power turbines. That's that's the process with a nuclear reactor. You use a nuclear reaction to generate heat, to ge- generate steam, and then you use that to create power. But... Uh, making that on a small scale is difficult, shall we say, to produce the amount of power you need to power a car. Well, you're GP- saying you need to go more than five miles an hour? Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 G- GP, what happened to all of the uh, – what happened to the hydrogen initiative in California? What happened to it? It's like it just died. It's it's almost like these petroleum companies didn't want it to happen. Really? It's crazy. Really? I don't because know. All I, hear, I don't know. It's, it's all I hear about the from the petroleum been, companies is all I hear from the petroleum companies is they're just looking for a greener future. Mm-hmm. That's all I hear from. Them. <laughs> well, I mean, they had it. 
It's profitability. It's it. You got to look at it like any kind of business. And I do see from their standpoint, if you don't get enough people to buy cars, unless you're giving out cars and then they're having to buy the fuel at an exorbitant rate, uh, you know, a exorbitant price, that actually could probably be an option in some areas, in some some of the uh, some areas of this of this state. But because our public transportation sucks, but yes, uh, we just didn't have the infrastructure design. Uh, I don't have enough desire to switch to it, and those cars were really expensive. I mean, if they had a huge government rebate on the cars to make it more affordable, then I think there would be we'd have a lot more of that going on here in California. I also think if you actually had the free market dictate where that would go, I mean, mm-hmm. and and availability. I mean, you you know how that works. Free market, the costs right. come down naturally, right? But most everybody has most people understand gas powered cars. You also have to get people educated and understanding the advantages they would have for a hydrogen car versus a petroleum car. Yeah, correct. It's like the just like the problem we have with electric cars. You know, our first cars, by the way, our first cars on the road here in this country were electric. Interesting. They weren't gas. Uh, by the way, um, uh, a hydrogen car. Hydrogen itself costs anywhere from $3 to $7 per kilogram. Effectively, that's per gallon when, you, when you're talking hydrogen. About one kilogram of hydrogen is about one gallon of gas in, in fuel comparison. So kind of, kind of a tad bit more expensive compared to here. Mm-hmm. Just, just double at the lowest price, uh, the cost. Okay. You know, Last- and people will love saving the environment when they have to pay twice as much. Yeah, that's exactly. yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's right. Okay, last last one here. Number 10. And this is this is going to be an interesting one, especially since you're in here, GP. Whole genome synthesis. Improvements right. in yeah, whole uh, improvements in the technology needed to design genetic sequences that are then introduced into microbes are making it possible to mm-hmm. print ever larger amounts of genetic material and alter genomes more extensively. This can give insights in how viruses spread or help in producing vaccines and other treatments. In the future, it could help sustainably produce chemicals, fuels, or construction materials from biomass or waste gases. And it could even allow scientists to design pathogen-resistant plants or us to write our own genome, opening the door Mm. to possible misuse, of course, but also... You mean, I want it to to give me wings. See that in there? But also to give cures for genetic diseases. Again... I see good sides to this. I see bad sides to this. Uh, Whole genome synthesis. I'm going to go a little bit outlandish here, and I'm going to go 24th century. Is this a replicator they're talking about? Theoretically. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Theoretically, yeah, but it's also other applications as 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 it was saying there, uh, creating vaccines. Oh, you mean like the Pfizer vaccine? That's an RNA virus that they used basically CRISPRs to create. Um, or the you mean Moderna something like that? Or the Moderna one? That's seven or 90, yeah. 90, 90, yeah, 94 that's, point percent. Yeah. 94.8. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. It's also an RNA based one that integrates with your cells. And, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, is I'm I'm for this technology. It'll help uh, eyesight. It'll help you're, you're born deaf. You're born with some kind of defect. You could fix that with this tech. You could fix a lot of things with this tech. The The, the problem is, the nefarious side of things, does that outweigh the benefits? You can essentially create a human being uh, or, or alter a human being to be anything you want them to be. Uh, as GP says, you want to add wings? Yeah, theoretically, you could. Um, you could change bone densities, muscle uh, density. You could change a whole bunch of things. You could also the, you could also turn them into a stupid slave populace that is, uh, as we've talked before, um, uh, euphoric laying bricks. You could create a populace like that. Is that a bad thing? Scary. Would they know that they're euphoric slave people? It's unethical. To take a population that has free will currently, to remove their free will and to enslave them with what no about, hope. What, what I'm not saying, no, no, I'm not saying about this generation. I'm referring to they just create a bunch of pod people that have, they're just, you know, they're basically a robot Machines that machine are uh, uh, biomass, biomass machines. That's all they are. Is that a bad thing? That's a gray area. Mm-hmm. Creating that, something. A gray area? It, it's kind of a gray area there. Uh, I, really, it's no different than creating a, a robot to do those things. Technically, mm-hmm. you're just using yeah. genetic code. So, right. I mean, how is that bad? Technically, that's not bad. It, it becomes bad when if you're creating something new that does this. Mm-hmm. Well. No, I don't guess it would be. But if you're augmenting something that already exists to 
for example, a human and augmenting mm-hmm. the human to be a slave, that's a problem. Yeah. Anyways, a biomass creature or whatever it may be that's doing whatever you're having it do would never be as strong as, you know, a metal device, you know, something right. created, you know, wouldn't be as strong hydraulics, all that kind of fun stuff. How on earth do you uh, go to biomass creatures? <laughs> <laughs> There's something out of a video game gone wrong. You know, yeah, GP, so. we do these digital dark ages. To, Could it? To, I don't think so. We, we try. We try to be as dark and as morbid as possible, and and you've certainly taken us down that Bring path. Some I appreciate to it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, seriously. Like, what if you use? Uh, what if you use stuff from like insects for their, for example, ants they're already are ten doing times that. stronger than their size they're, and whatnot. They're already doing that. Mm-hmm. They're splicing uh, spiders and and other genes now. They're they're already doing that stuff. What you mean, like the goats that produce silk? Yeah. Spider silk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Spider silk, that's 10 times stronger than steel. Steel, yeah. uh, the tensile strength. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. I, I don't know what the limitations of uh, genetic augmentation is. I honestly, could we create something to be stronger than steel? I mean, you've seen the videos of people that martial, martial artists that have been practicing years and years and taking tools like a wrench and bending the wrench by impact. And not breaking their bones. I mean, it, it is absolutely crazy. They kick the thing or punch it and are able to bend it because they've done years of microfractures on their on their skeletal structure yeah. that strengthens it. So in that case, which one is stronger? Metal, because I can replace a metal component rather quickly. It's it's. I think it would be rather more. It would be more difficult to replace. It's like replacing a liver. Would it be easier to replace a liver or a carburetor? Don't know. If we have the technology to genetically augment. Could we create something like, for example, that would just recreate a new one? It would just create itself like it's broken. It sees that it's damaged and just it just. Well, that's a possibility, but regenerates it. It regenerates it. Yeah. But I mean, look at Star Trek. They had like the dermal regenerator. Yeah. yeah, That literally caused quickly regenerated tissue. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we don't know. Isn't this evolution? Isn't this an evolution? Isn't this where our human we're supposed to go above and beyond? It is an evolution. Well, the, the the problem I have with it is who's doing it. Yes, that's exactly my gripe. Is, is that right there? Yes, it's, we've been under control forever. There's never been a time that we have been like, other than probably when we were jumping from tree to tree, trying not to get eaten. That we haven't been under control as long as we've had society. We've been under control. Can you name a point in any history point in history where we haven't been controlled? Unfortunately, Come we're gonna on. have to. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to leave that hanging in the air because we're out of time. That that's actually a good. That is actually a good cliffhanger, by the way. It's a good cliffhanger. Saying. All right, we're gonna have to go. So, uh, thank you guys for sitting down today. So, for those of you who have not, you'd like to give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. I've recently come back over there, and we put our podcast up on there every day as well. Uh, you can follow me over there at Jay Anderson Three, or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. We would welcome all of your feedback, all of your comments. Uh, you can not tweet, but it's it's Parlay over there. I think you can uh, Parlay to us. You can write on our walls, our feeds, any of that stuff, and give us any feedback you might have. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. If you would like to be a potential guest or get in contact with us for a brief phone conversation, we're going we're talking about doing a call-in hour here at some point, but we're not quite sure when we're going to do that yet. But uh, if we could get enough responses and enough feedback, then we can possibly set that up in the coming days. Unfortunately, it would be for well, no, we might be able to do it for international listeners. I'm not sure yet, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But anyway, uh, again, drop us a line if you so choose at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Also, we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And in these dark and perilous times, we're trying to get as many like-minded people together as humanly possible. So if you could pass this along to friends, family, known associates, we would appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you could get over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and GP, thank you guys for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.